Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Hey, and welcome back to Maximize Your Influence. This is Kurt Mortensen as we take a deep dive in the world of persuasion, motivation, influence, the things that make people tick, to make you more persuasive and influential. You've heard me say it before, to get others to want to do what you want them to do and like doing it. Spent this last week in Southern California, know it well, it's where I grew up, home of Universal Studios, Disneyland, Knott's Berry Farm, Magic Mountain, big tourist attractions down there. Of course, we have Legoland now down in San Diego, and I bring them up to talk about our ninja and blunders of the day and talk about the psychology of waiting, the psychology of making your prospects wait. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Are you losing business? Whether it's putting somebody on hold or getting back to them next week, does that affect your ability to persuade and influence? And the answer is a resounding yes when you do it the wrong way, when you don't meet expectations, when you don't deliver on time, when they want it right away and you make them wait. You think the anticipation could be a good thing, and sometimes it is, but for the most part it is not and can really hurt your ability to persuade, especially when they are no longer under the ether, as we say in the business, meaning Let's say you're persuading them and they like it, they want it, it's perfect, you can see all the emotions are kicking in, you've hit all the hot buttons, and then all of a sudden they want to think about it, you're going to talk to them later, what's going on, and the next time you talk to them, they're not interested, no thanks. What happened? Well, you didn't get them back under the ether, that's mistake number one. When you call someone back a week or even a day later, they're not under the ether anymore, those emotions aren't kicked in. Remember, persuasion is all about those emotions, those subconscious triggers. Your goal is to get them back under the ether, back feeling those emotions, and then and only then can you ask them, all right, let's get started. Have you read the materials? Have you done this? Whatever they've promised to do. So that's a really critical key to understand. But let's do what we call a blinja. We haven't done a blinja in a while. Blinja, go. Don't, don't, don't. Now, a blinja is a combination of a blunder and a ninja together. You see those at Universal Studios, Disneyland, any amusement park. But let's talk about the blunder first, the waiting, the waiting in line. There's a local restaurant that is really good. It's a Mexican restaurant, love good Mexican food, but the line is too long for me. And so there's an inferior restaurant, and I would say it's just a little bit inferior. I wait maybe two or three percentage points, but for the most part, it's almost exactly the same. I go there because I'm not going to wait in line. Or Starbucks. Now, this is an interesting one. Starbucks is losing business. That long line, whether it be at the airport or someplace else. If there's a 20-minute line at Starbucks, but the coffee place next door is almost as good, many people go the almost as good line. In fact, COO Kevin Johnson of Starbucks said they were looking at companies' earnings with analysis, and he said long lines at peak hours are scaring off some customers who may have not already placed their order. Hmm... Isn't that interesting? And you've probably been in that situation before. But what about your prospect, the people you're working with? Are you making them wait too long to talk to you? You know, sometimes that anticipation can be a good thing. So I want to kind of focus on the different things as we go into this, right? The ninja in this scenario being Universal Studios, Disneyland, Disney World, Knott's Berry Farm, where they can get you to wait an hour, 
two hours in line and not phase you as much as it would be as, say, a supermarket, right? Isn't that interesting? So we have to take a look at frustration with wait times. Again, this could be via the internet, shipping, banks, airlines, customer service wait times, hotels, waiting for information that you've promised, quotes, all those things come into play. But it's also interesting that sometimes a two-minute wait can feel like nothing at all, or sometimes a two-minute wait can feel forever. What are those expectations? Where do we lose credibility? When do they go to somebody else? That's what we need to talk about. I know growing up, we were famous for car trips. We even took a trip from California all the way to Maine, driving the whole way. A lot of driving time. And, you know, all the kids in the car. There's four of us. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we halfway there yet? If we turn around right now, we'd be closer to there or where we're going, right? All these things because we didn't have a lot of distractions back then. Because back then, it was just sitting there. Now we've got entertainment, different things to kind of adjust the perception of time. So the guru for this is David Meister. He's a former Harvard Business School professor. He looked into the waiting line. He even created a formulation where the satisfaction of whatever it is you're waiting for depends on your perception and your expectation as far as the wait time and what you're going to receive. And he goes over a few points, and then I want to add a few points that will help you out in this world. Again, it doesn't matter if you're working with a customer service department, sales, or making somebody wait. This is important to understand because sometimes maybe if you're delayed and you have to make them wait an extra month, how do you put a spin on that? How do you adjust the expectations? Remember, the one of the 12 laws of persuasion and maximum influence is expectations, and we need to talk about it. And I love what William James said. He says, boredom results from being attentive to the passage of time itself. Isn't that interesting? And that's one of our first points is that occupied time feels shorter than unoccupied time. That's why maybe in a line it might be a maze, there might be televisions to watch, music to listen to, but if you let them do nothing and wait and there's nothing around, not even a magazine to read, that could be a big challenge. You know, if you're on wait with a customer service department and you're dinking on your computer, doing email and a few other things, probably not a big deal, but if that's all you're focusing on, that's all you're doing, you're going to get upset very, very fast. And, of course, we talked about Universal and Disneyland and these places where these lines, they have things happening. There's robots, there's things going on, and the theme is all right there. People are occupied looking at things, doing different things. And so if you keep them occupied doing something, filling out a form, anything, listening to music, having a TV playing, watching a video, any of those things could be very beneficial. Maybe even taking a survey might be an interesting one to make sure that they're occupying their time and it doesn't come back to haunt you. You've probably heard the phrase, a watched pot never boils, right? The time, go, 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 versus going doing something else and coming back. It's going to be boiling when you come back. But remember, the activity you have them do should offer a benefit and be related in something to the service or product you're going to provide, not something out of the blue where they're playing Parcheesi or Checkers or something else, but something that could benefit them. The next thing he found, too, to kind of ease that wait time is people want to get started, right? Get, get them started somehow. Don't just make them sit there and wait and do nothing. Get them started on something. Being occupied filling out a form. A form would fit here, too. They're doing something. They're filling out a form. They're getting started. Maybe if it's a restaurant, just getting started with drinks before dinner or here, take the menu and start looking at it, which is great for restaurants because they choose their items faster, which means they are going to spend less time at the table. I know at Disneyland and Universal Studios, you're selected and you get through the door, you're getting started, you're going through it. And when you get in there, there's still another wait 
and but you've been selected for that first part. You're getting things started, and you feel like you're accomplishing something. Even at a doctor's office, that weight, if you can do something to feel like you're speeding up the process. And what does a doctor's office do? Well, you're filling out some forms. That's something. And then they call you into the back room. That's something. You're a little closer, a little closer, and that makes a big difference. Another thing Dr. Meister talks about is anxiety. Because anxiety makes the wait seem longer, right? Your airline delays. If you have to make that short layover and it's delayed, that passage of time is a lot different than if it's your final destination. You have all the time in the world. If something's really wrong and you call customer service and they're putting you on hold, that's different than if you just want to get some additional information on something. <laughs> that anxiety is critical. And of course, we know that getting into the faster lane in grocery store, other places where they have the different lane, which one's faster. I heard somebody say once the other line always moves faster. And I think that's true as we look around and have that anxiety, want to get out there quicker. Somebody is waiting. That's one that'll get on the anxiety of getting on the plane, right? And uh, the challenge with most people, it's not necessarily the seat, is now with the travel in the airline, is making sure that you have a place for your luggage. Because if you're the last one on, it's not getting on the plane and they're going to have to check it in. And sometimes that's a pain in the rear. And sometimes that makes your travel a little bit longer. He also talks about that uncertain wait times are longer than known wait times. You catch that? When I know that I'm going to have to spend 30 minutes in the doctor's office, maybe that's okay. When I know it's going to be standard, not the unknown. Is it 10 minutes? Is it 10 hours? That just drives us crazy. We want to know what that wait time is going to be so we can mentally handle it. You know, Uber and Lyft, they do pretty well. That They have a countdown clock. They let you know when it's going to get there, and it's pretty close to that. Versus a taxi, you have no idea. I know it drives me nuts when I'm in a hurry and I'm in a new airport, and this combines anxiety with the uncertain wait time, waiting for that rental car bus. What is it going to get there? Uh, even waiting on the tarmac. We're getting ready to take off. We don't know when we're going to take off. When uh, planes have been grounded, that's always a challenge. I don't want to drive me nuts. We've landed. We've pulled up. They're pulling out the jetway. And some rookie can't get the door open. And we're waiting. And we're waiting. And we're there. We're so close. That uncertain wait time can drive people nuts. And people get really angry at that. Just like a client who arrives early for an appointment will sit there Content. They're okay. They know they're early. They just wanted to be early. But once you get past that scheduled time, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. That is a challenge, and they start getting more and more tense. Another item he talks about is unfair weights are longer than fair weights. <laughs> okay, what does that mean? Well, sometimes we know we have to wait in line, and that's okay. We've put our brain into that mode that we're going to wait. You know, when you get to maybe a rental car counter or getting onto a plane but sometimes when we're put on hold, that can be a challenge. Or if we're on a wait list at a restaurant, we think we're next and somebody walks right in and they take them right back to sit down. Or you're in a nightclub and you're 10th in line to get in and someone walks right by and gets right in. That it makes people pretty upset and mad. It might be fair. It might be the restaurants or nice club best customer. It might even be the owner. We don't know. But wait a minute. That's not fair. That's why we get so upset when people cut in line, like, wait a minute, or someone, no, this is my friend, it's okay. People get really angry and really upset, and you've got to duck sometimes because, wait a minute, that's not fair. I've been sitting here. You think it's fair because you've been saving a place for them, but they don't know that. All of a sudden, you surprise them, they can get really, really upset. 
And that's a challenge a lot of a hospital or doctor waiting rooms. Sometimes there's no visible order to the waiting line. I mean, who's next? Who's going to what doctor? Who's there? I think it was here before them. That can be a big challenge and people can get tense and angry. It's unfair. How could you do that? You know, I fly quite a bit and the airline takes care of me with free upgrades and a few other things. It seems like people get upset when you get aboard first in your first class and that's not fair and those type of things, but that's good. The human mind. Anybody can pay for a first class ticket, but people would rather resent the person sitting there than paying the price to get it. But that's part of human nature, that resentment, that anger when things are unfair or the perception of being unfair. Now, also with this is the more valuable the service, the longer the customer will wait. Remember there's scarcity, urgency, psychological reactions. That's one of the laws of persuasion is that sometimes when it's scarce and available, we'll wait a little longer. We'll wait in that line to get the iPhone. We'll wait in that line on those Thanksgiving sales to get that something that there's not enough to go around. And some people will do that when they know that it's going to be worth it to them. When they know it's exciting to have and there's not enough to go around, they will wait longer. Like for a nice restaurant, if it's a country club and you're on a waiting list, friend that just got a Tesla waited, I believe, six weeks from ordering online to getting it, and he was more than happy to it. He was so excited, but he knew the wait was coming, and it was there. Sometimes people are willing to spend the night for concert or football games, and that's okay. It's worth it to them. They know what's going on. They know how long the wait's going to be, and sometimes it's okay. That anticipation, you can create that buzz, that scarcity, that urgency. There's not enough to go around. Then it's okay. If it's taken you six months to get into this doctor and you've waited two hours, you're probably okay with that because you know they're the best and you're not leaving. That's different than a brand new doctor that hasn't built that reputation. Here's something interesting too is that solo waits feel longer than group waits. I think this is a Disneyland Universal Studios things too to where we're in lines, we're in groups, we're all in this together, we're all waiting, we're all a little bored. It's almost interesting in those lines you look around. People are in a subconscious trance. They've just kind of turned off mentally. They're just kind of looking around. They're waiting in line. And that is something about part of being a group. I mean, again, the group could go against you real fast at a amusement park when you're right there. You've waited two hours and the ride breaks or the airline, another delay announcement. That could definitely be a challenge. And so sometimes in groups, we're okay to make that wait. So just review a few things and some of the research I've done. I've mentioned distraction earlier. Anything you can do to distract them could be important. Get even a magazine or having them do something or somebody talking to them. Or you see the different things in the supermarket checkout, the different magazines. And even using their smartphones could be something that could be very, very helpful. But let me also add to the, I mentioned earlier, the law of expectations. That's the key. What's the expectations of the wait time to get the proposal, to get the item, to get the product, to get the meeting, the wait time? That's the biggest thing. You have to manage those expectations. You'll notice, too, a lot of the rides at these amusement parks that the employees are applauding after the ride, right? You get everyone else to applaud. It was exciting. It was great. Everyone loves it. A little social validation, managing the expectations there. And part of that, too, is if you look at the Rides at these amusement parks, it'll say 45-minute wait time or 60-minute wait time. And it will only be 50 minutes or 45 minutes or 30 minutes. It'll be a lot less. You're, like, you're expecting 45 minutes or an hour, and it's maybe only 30 minutes. That's managing expectations. And part of managing expectations and distraction to those amusement rides is that if you saw the whole line, you would not get in it. You wouldn't. And so they have a string of going back and forth. You get in line. You're almost there. You're almost there. Then you turn the corner. You're like, oh, man, a whole nother room of of ropes and 
aisles. You go back and forth, almost there, almost there, and you go to the next one. You're like, oh, another room. But that's part of managing expectations, a little distraction, not seeing the whole line. That's part of it. Part of it could say this ride's normally a two-hour wait. It's only an hour right now. You better get in line. Oh, okay, I better get in line. So managing those expectations are critical. Let them know ahead of time what's happening, what's going on. If you're in a meeting that's a one-hour meeting, it's 60 minutes long, and you're like, all right, I can deal with that. I got 60 minutes. I'm going to go through this. And then it goes 65 minutes, 70 minutes, 75 minutes. It doesn't matter what the speaker's saying or what's going on. You're mad. You're upset. You're angry. How could they do this to you? Your time's not valuable to them. That changes expectations. So sometimes it might be better to schedule a 90-minute meeting and only go 60 minutes so you don't get that anger, that frustration, that resentment you get if you go long. Last item I want to mention here is anticipation. When people anticipate something, it's kind of a subset of some things are worth waiting for is that anticipation. When people are really excited to go on a ride for the first time could be anticipation. Getting some type of reward or benefit they've been waiting for for a long time could be an anticipation. Getting to see someone that's an expert that's hard to see could be an anticipation. I know those amusement park rides, they take pictures. At the very end, and everyone's rushing out to see those pictures. They want to see how they look. And that's anticipation. So a variety of things you can do to be able to understand the psychology of waiting. For the most part, you make a prospect wait. You go against their expectations. It's really going to hurt your ability to persuade. But if you can manage their expectations, keep them under the ether, keep the emotional level up, do it in the right way, it's going to be very beneficial to you. Because sometimes we can't help it. Something happens, something goes wrong, something's not delivered, an appointment goes longer. That is a challenge, and you have to manage those. You can't just say sorry for waiting. You can't just say sorry for waiting. And, of course, apology is important. They want you to apologize. Even if you don't think it's your fault, you need to apologize. Apology is cheap, as we talked about before on the show. And managing this process is very, very important in the world of persuasion. So just kind of wrap things up. It's a perspective. It's an expectation. It is something you can manage. If you want to know more about the Law of Expectations, talked about that in Episode 25, and the archives are available at InfluenceUniversity.com. That's part of the free membership. And, of course, there's the 52-week PhD program that you can enroll in where every week you're getting a new video, new audio, a new tool of persuasion because every tool you add makes you more persuasive. Don't try to chop down a tree with a hammer. Get the right tool. That's what this show and information is all about. Question, comments, email me at Kurt, K-U-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. That's our podcast website, MaximizeYourInfluence.com. We are on iTunes, Pinterest, Facebook at Maximize Your Influence. Recommend us to your friends. Recommend us to your enemies. Whatever you need to do, get the word out that persuasion is the key. It is 85% of your success in business. And of course, I'm still offering Maximum Influence. That's my first book. There's a new edition that has come out, and that is available for free. You just pick up the shipping and handling. Show me that you're serious. A couple bucks at lawsofinfluence.com. Go there, order the book. We'll send it out to you. And let me know what you think about the new studies, the new statistics, and the updates to the 12 Laws of Persuasion. So take this information, use it, apply it, become more persuasive, and go out and persuade with power.